This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is extraordinary, this discussion, going all sorts of fascinating ways. I want you listeners to continue with it. Here we go. With these spirit communications, and these aren't just, you know, like the EVPs that, you're, that you've been seeing on these uh, reality programs where, you know, these ghost hunters have a tape recorder and they maybe you're catching a word here or there that you can barely understand. No, these are dialogues of uh, very easily understood conversations that, that come through over uh, radio, telephones, uh, uh, computers, televisions, things like that. But uh, supposedly the answers that was given on why these messages are so obtuse, basically, (laughs) Uh, really offering, you know, not a lot of information, is that there is that difficulty, that language difficulty of expressing oneself from whatever state of reality they're now currently in to translate to our own. Yeah, it's easy to say that. <laughs> what if what if a spoken word for these other things is as difficult for them as telepathy is for us? You know, I mean, right. that's that's right. the possibility. Or, or you know, the other possibility, and I, and I often return to this, and it's keeping with that sort of personal development angle of an interest in the supernatural, the paranormal, or UFOs, is that it's not the point to receive all of your answers in an info dump. You know, the point is to arrive upon those conclusions yourself. I mean... I think that's what, to me, that the true nature of disclosure really should be, is is you don't need an authority structure to give you permission to believe in UFOs, right? You need to convince yourself, and you need to arrive at that conclusion through your own efforts that push you past that threshold of disbelief into saying, okay, you know, even if I haven't experienced something, there seems to be something with an objective ontology that is that is happening here and is actually interacting with people. And then, you know, you proceed from there. But it's it's all about getting to that point. I mean, you know, what's what's more impressive? Someone saying they love you or someone showing they love you? You can't just learn that the UFOs are real. You have to sort you can't just be told rather that these things are real. You have to sort of get there yourself, I think, sometimes. I think that might be part of what we're seeing as well. Well, that's part of that uh, Western bias, though, when it comes to learning. I mean, when we were kids, starting when we were kids, you were given the information, you have to memorize it, and then regurgitate it back in order to pass the test. There's no real learning. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely a part of that. You know, it's it's sort of a bit of a cliche, but there's a difference between being told what to think and learning how to think. If we've come to that realization over here on this side of whatever reality we're occupying, then, you know, maybe indeed something like that is, is related to that as well. For anybody who's wondering how we started out talking about UFOs and now we're on <laughs> <laughs> EVPs and ITC, I mean, one of the most interesting developments I think that's happened in this connection over the past couple of years is uh, the fact that... Um, 
Whitley Strieber's assessment of the implant that he has has shifted necessarily from being, you know, a, an implant left by the visitors. I mean, it's obviously connected somehow, but he's arrived at the conclusion that it was he was told after some strangers visited his house in the middle of the night that the implant was actually technology that was designed by Constantine Raudave after Raudave's death. And there's just so much to unpack from that. I don't know if he's reassessed his interpretation of what's going on there or not, Whitley, in the years since he wrote you know, A New World. But I think that there's so much to unpack about what that says about something like our assumptions of what the afterlife is, right? Like the fact that you can create blueprints in the afterlife is not something that really squares very well with a lot of these Western conceptions of what the afterlife is. Like, you know, especially if you come from the Abrahamic traditions, like, you know, you die and, you know, you go and play a harp among the clouds or something to that effect. You know, obviously that's a cartoonized version, but you take my meaning. It's not someplace where you have technical concerns, like, you know, what sort of circuitry or technology could be put together. But it's actually really consistent with a lot of these um, ancient and indigenous concepts of the afterlife, where the afterlife was a mirror image of our reality. And it had, you know, the same trials and the same chores and tasks that we have to go through on this side of the veil. And with that in mind, um, it seems only logical that there could be the potential for technological development <laughs> in the afterlife. Again, it's not an idea, you know, afterlife technology is not an idea that really sits very well with a lot of us in the modern world, but it's something that our ancestors understood as, as a definite possibility. It's funny that you would talk about Radave like that, because for the past week, that's all that I have been researching and writing about is these contacts and especially dealing with Radave and his, wow. his his appearances. So, I mean, yeah, that's quite a coincidence. And one of the major aspects, you know, of these communications is exactly like you said, that supposedly on the other side, they're working on technology like we are in order to better develop communications, you know, between between the sides. And that, uh, you know, whatever level of reality that they're working on, to us, it would look like that stereotypical image of, you know, like a misty, dreamlike world. But to them, it's as solid of a reality as ours is. But as they describe it, like a lower astral plane. And then after they deal with whatever they have to deal with then they you know ascend to you know whatever they they ascend to but at that moment they're working with technology just like we are it harkens back to that speculation from Terence McKenna that we mentioned earlier that these are mm-hmm. uh, there there is no real hierarchy to to these different realities they are all possessed of their own sort of internal logic it's just that we just are familiar with the logic of the one that we're embedded within once you start looking at that and uh, I don't know how much we talked about this last time I was on the show, but once you start looking at that and you set it alongside all the death connections that there are to the UFO phenomenon, you know, to the extent that Ann Streber, before her death, wrote down, made the observation that this has something to do with what we call death, this referring to, you know, the, the visitors, and dead loved ones seen during alien abductions, then the possibility of you know, flying saucers being afterlife technology 
takes on a certain validity. And, and I know that, you know, even saying this, some people are so resistant to this idea, but it's a really, really, really old idea if you look back into ufology. I mean, I've, I've found examples of it being discussed in the 50s and the 60s. And it seems to be even older than that as a concept. I mean, if you look at the ayahuasca art of Pablo Amaringo, it includes things that look like flying saucers. And uh, when asked about what they were, Amaringo was very clear that they, they were a technology for traveling between these different realities. And of course, ayahuasca presents a lot of connections to the dead to the extent that depending upon your translation of its of its name means, you know, vine of the spirits or vine of the dead. And there are all sorts of examples of people encountering the dead or learning information about new deaths um, during their ayahuasca experiences that are later confirmed when they reach contact with the towns that they're nearest to or, you know, contact with their, their relatives who have to report that, yes, <laughs> you already knew that your brother died, and I'm here to tell you that your brother died. So how did you know that? <laughs> That's sort of a scenario. So I, I, th- I think it's interesting. And you know what? It may be a dead end in a blind alley. It might just be little green men from Zebel Ganubi. It really might be that. Um, <laughs> but I think that um, at the very least, this phenomenon is is playing with our expectations and playing with our mythologies in a way that does tie back to these deep, deep archetypal themes that you see across every culture around the world. The, uh, the late Dr. Leo Sprinkle wrote about uh, several cases that he worked on where um, people who had been abducted by you know, alleged uh, aliens said that they were told by these uh, uh, extraterrestrials that their mode of transportation used um, traveling through other realities. We are going to go to this other reality with Gene Joshua and Tim, you're in. The Pentecost. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. 
Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. When you mention this travel through other realities, Tim, it sounds like the wormholes they use like in Stargate TV show, things like that. Well, when I when I say that, Dr. Sprinkle was told that these other realities included what we would call uh, the afterlife, the places that you know that that you know the human spirit goes to after we die. That's just one of the levels that uh, the ships travel through in order to get from point A to point B. Dr. Sprinkle was, uh, I mean. He put it more in a you know in a materialistic type of viewpoint that these were physical crafts that just used what what would the word be you know like uh, uh, being able to travel the vast distances by you know uh, going through these uh, uh, different uh, uh, vibrational states I suppose uh, but it it harkens back to a lot of what we've been uh, talking about uh, today in, in in this conversation. Yeah, I really think that Leo Sprinkle's work 
deserves to be talked about more. Um, the book that I think has the most bearing on, on what I've been looking at over the past several years is, you know, soul samples. And he talks about in that book, um, you know, just the incidents of past life revelations involving UFOs. And this is, this is something that was a real catalyst for me working on ecology of souls was the fact that I want to have an explanation of the phenomenon that brings in as many outliers as possible. What I mean by that is, I don't want to plug my ears and close my eyes when I hear a story that doesn't conform to my model of what's going on, right? Especially if it's coming from an experiencer who's, I have this habit of believing experiencers, imagine that. But I I want to find a way to sort of reconcile and integrate some of these stories. And I feel like there is a segment of the ufological community um, that hears something about past lives or pre-birth memories and and they just they would prefer to ignore them because they don't neatly conform to the extraterrestrial hypothesis and if they if they do if you find a way to shoehorn it in it makes your extraterrestrial hypothesis a really weird <laughs> extraterrestrial hypothesis <laughs> and you know so and I'm I'm not, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that I like I love those stories because I had the same reaction as well and it wasn't coming from any sort of deep-seated ideological or religious impulse to reject those those accounts. It was just I, I, I had trouble with those stories because I didn't know how to integrate them into to my perspective on the phenomenon. And I think that you do have to end up. I think that the most, maybe not the easiest, but the most comprehensive way is to engage with these concepts of consciousness and you know, dare I say, you know, rebirth and death, which Again, that's part of the reason that Ecology of Souls, taken as a whole, is 260,000 words, is because there are so many connections that you can draw. Just from that one simple um, guiding light, you can draw a lot of different connections uh, between these different phenomena. Rather, Kenneth Arnold, um, after a while, you know, he was the, he was the guy who you know started the whole modern UFO era. After a while. He came to believe that, uh, or you know, at least he speculated that uh, that UFOs were actually soul transporters; <laughs> that they were here to take the souls of the dead away, almost like you know the uh, river sticks. You know, put the coin in your mouth and away you go. Yeah, he would. He would consistently. I mean, I believe that his initial sighting was during his one of his search and rescue outings, and he would oftentimes see he had seen later in his life from what i understand some of these um anomalous lights around some of the wreckage or at least around one of the wreck sites some residents had seen some of these anomalous lights so that certainly influenced that interpretation that he had and uh you know i i think that he i've also heard that he um entertained the idea of uh sort of Trevor James constable style sky critters at, at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're, we're all entitled, we're all entitled to have shifting and, and uh, malleable interpretations of this because we're all grasping at straws. But yeah, I do think it's interesting that the person who, um, the person who sort of triggered the modern UFO era arrived at that conclusion. And again, if you go back through the contactees, like it's, it's hard, it gets hard to find, a contactee who didn't incorporate something like reincarnation or soul craft or or something into their into their 
early stories. I mean, it's it's littered with with allusions to that. Um, you know, what, what I think is sort of interesting about Kenneth Arnold, too, um, that really does harken back again to part of our earlier discussion is that, uh, you know, it's it's much has been discussed over the fact that Arnold did not describe saucers in terms of shape. He was describing the movement, as I'm sure both of you are aware. But what I think is interesting is that the phenomenon <laughs> to go with a good story, the phenomenon answered that misprint that misinterpretation by becoming saucers <laughs> like i think that's mm-hmm. i think that says a lot about the phenomenon in the fact that it's sort of it's sort of conformed to the expectations that arose out of that that particular uh, report um and yeah it just it just seems to be that we're dealing with something that is is very fluid um in this regard um Tim, I want to, if if I might, sort of turn the the tables on this a little bit. I think this might be Absolutely. something interesting to discuss because I just realized this. Um, did you not author or co-author a book on Morgellons with Tim Beckley, or is that, or am I misremembering that? Nope, you're right. I did. Back when uh, uh, Morgellons was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. Well, is, is there some sort of update on Morgellons that I'm not aware of? You know, I have not heard anything about it for quite a while. I think the general consensus, much like a lot of this stuff, unless there is, you know, fresh evidence constantly coming down, was that it was either a mass hysteria or a common form of, and I don't want to say mental delusion, uh, but uh, a, a very common uh, 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 mental ailment where people feel like that they're either covered in bugs or they have, they have parasites that mm-hmm. are gnawing away at their inside. Uh, okay. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I, I would like to inject some uncertainty into that assessment. Um, Please. So I was, I was I was looking through some old blog posts, and I don't blog in terms of just writing an original piece as much as I should or as much as I used to. But um, so I, I've I, anyway in this old blog post, I, I found a reference to your name, and I'm like, oh, I, I've completely forgot that that Tim had written this book. Um, but I had I had pulled on it because um, I was discussing the moment when I decided that um, the UFO phenomenon and the fairy phenomenon were the same thing. You know, for the longest time, I would sort of equivocate and say, well, maybe it's similar or it's using similar methods. But this was the moment when I said, okay, this is the same thing. Here is something that's different, or something completely different. However you wish it, Joshua Gene Tim. You're in the Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. say news update. I think this was a crime of opportunity. He did not know her at all. New information from University of Georgia Police Chief Jeff Clark about the suspect accused of killing a University of Georgia nursing student who was out for a jog near the campus in the town of Athens. The investigation suggests that they had no relationship. Records show the 26-year-old man, an illegal alien from Venezuela, who crossed into our country back in 2022. Chief Clark saying the man faces a long list of charges. This, by the way, the first murder on the UGA campus in 20 years. Classes canceled until Monday. In other news, polls are open in South Carolina. Voters casting ballots in the Republican primary. Former President Trump has been campaigning in the Palmetto State, along with former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com, GCNfood.com. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines. Instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families, we all know something big is coming. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what. You're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We could take you Joshua Cutchin on the relationship of UFOs and uh, fairy lore. Pray tell me more about fairy lore. 
I'm extremely grateful for you cutting me off because I, this is going to be a little bit long. I've compiled lists over the years of, of all the correspondences that I see, and, and they've pushed me over into believing that these are indeed the same thing. And not that fairies are aliens or aliens are fairies, but that, again, as consistent with our discussion, these are terms that we use, but, but neither of them really accurately describes the thing itself, right? But they're, they're the same thing, but our interpretation is culturally bound. But the the moment that I that I really came to appreciate uh, that these were the same thing was when I discovered references to the fairy blast. And if um, you're not aware, the fairy blast is a boil or an injury or you know a, a lesion or something that uh, the fairies could inflict upon you if you were to disrespect them. The words blast, blister, and blustery all share the same Germanic root, and that's because the fairies would blast you with a blustery current of wind and leave behind a blister, right? There are narratives where these fairy blasts um, were examined and the wound was let. When they were opened up, it would reveal all sorts of just detritus, you know, bones, moths, teeth, rags, rusty nails, bits of porcelain, rocks, etc. And and to me, that sounds strikingly like the alien implant phenomenon. And the alien implant phenomenon, I think, has a lot of antecedents with indigenous beliefs and spirit darts and foreign objects. I mean, that's an entire another discussion we could have. But specifically looking at the fairy stuff, the fairy blast sounds a lot like these implants because so many times these implants are excised and what's inside is often revealed to be something like a bit of porcelain that gets you know jabbed under the skin and accretes all sorts of calcium deposits around it but here's where the 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 narrative grew especially uncanny for me i found a reference to a fairy blast uh in newfoundland which was one of the places in the new world where fairy lore made the transition from the old world quite intact there was a gentleman who uh, was hit with the fairy blast. They decided they were going to open it up because he had offended the fairies in some regard. They concluded that the boil should be let and proceeded to do so. As soon as the boil was pierced, a long white string came out and continued to fall in a pile to the floor. It fell of its own accord, and the swelling abated as the string accumulated on the floor. The string was kept for years after as proof for unbelievers, but the man always had a crippled leg to his dying day." End quote. That sounds awfully more Gellensy to me. <laughs> um, it's just so bizarre and specific. It does make me wonder if, if there is something objectively real to the whole Morgellons phenomenon, if that's not somehow related or an expression of that, an earlier expression of that. And I was wondering if you'd ever heard that story, because I realized that I'd put it together and I'd referenced your book, but I don't know if I'd ever talked to you about that. <laughs> I have heard that story before, and even though I'd, I'm not sure if I used the term fairy blast, but I had pointed out that uh, like some of these older accounts, that the Morgellons could also afflict other family members as well. That oftentimes you know, the fairies would target one person, but then other people in the household could get it as well. Uh, not to the same extent, but it could happen, and Morgellons tended to be contagious, that other family members would get it. Though usually it wasn't like a long, continuous string, thank God. <laughs> well, that's fascinating that you point that out, because you know I look at the incidence of people having strange encounters after their 
initiatory experience, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, looking at people who've had near-death experiences and people who um, have encountered fairy folk or gone to fairyland in the older narratives and and UFO experiencers. And it seems to me as if as if the UFO experience, whatever it represents, the aftermath of that manifesting poltergeist phenomenon and things like that seems to be a lot stronger and far more contagious. And that's the mm-hmm. interesting thing. Like, you know, you can just sort of just be around these, these experiencers sometimes and have the effect rub off on you. So that's interesting to me that, that Morgellons would follow that same pattern. And of course, you know, as you said, like the consensus would be that, Oh, well it's hereditary somehow, but I wonder if it's not just sort of an expression of, these phenomena sort of were these after effects radiating out from the experiencer. That's that's fast. Well, I shouldn't have been surprised that you had heard of it. That to me is is my bread and butter when I look at the Fortean stuff is, you know, because I, I don't think a lot of Morgellon sufferers would have heard that narrative. And yet it sounds so consistent with that older stuff. And, you know, that's always the fascinating thing is you get a, a farmer from Nebraska who's saying stuff that sounds like it was pulled straight off of a Mesopotamian cuneiform tablet. And <laughs> It's like, uh, I don't <laughs> think that they were reading this. So why is this appearing once again? Yeah. Well, and in case our listeners aren't familiar with Morgellons, it was an ailment where people would have basically what they would describe almost as like um, hairs growing out of their body at various points, a lot of times out of lesions. It would start out as like itchy lesions on the body, and then there would be these hairs that would avoid being plucked. (laughs) People would, you know, like uh, try to take tweezers to them, and these things would move around and duck back down into the skin. Unfortunately, when people would uh, get samples and try to take them to dermatologists, they would be dismissed because, again, it's a common ailment that doctors often referred to it as a ma- the matchbox ailment because people would uh, collect them and put them in matchboxes to take to their doctors. And most of the mm-hmm. time it would just be, you know, like uh, threads, other types of synthetic types of uh, materials. But there was a lot of research done where it obviously was not a commonly household type of item that had just, you know, gotten onto their skins. Well, that's interesting, too, about the way that it sort of proves elusive when trying to be pinned down because, you know, that's, as you're aware, something that happens in the, the implant stuff as well. But if you look back, I've, I've been looking with someone else on some of these older stories of foreign objects in the body. And there, one of my colleagues found that there was a, uh, a story of a Christian monk or, or saint or something along those lines who believed that they had received a, a dart from the devil. And it was, you know, it manifested as like this P-shaped lump under the skin that would sort of move around whenever you tried to pin it down. So that idea of these things sort of like slipping out of the way at the last moment is is really consistent, too. That's that's wild. And, And, you know, I don't something else that we probably should all grapple with more than we do. I've used grapple like eight times in our conversation, but something we should acknowledge, something we should acknowledge more than we do. Um, you know what? We can the change the name that, of the yeah. show to the grappling show. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The grapple cast. Um, is, Ladies is and gentlemen, we- welcome to the grapple cast where we grapple with casting <laughs> or casting our grap or grip or have the grip or something like that. 
um, we should we should we should acknowledge. How about the acknowledge cast? We should acknowledge the fact that any of these topics has a lot of different answers. You know, um, and this is this is a trap that I fall into often as well. You know, oh, UFOs must all be one thing, or you know, all be another thing, and um, there are a lot of answers to these things, and I'm sure that. Um, there are there is a plurality of anomalous answers. There's a plurality of mundane answers and a plurality of anomalous answers to all these things. So, you know, uh, the UFO phenomenon not, might be answered by, in some cases, extraterrestrial craft. In other cases, um, mass psychic phenomena, spirit phenomena, any number of strange things. But also, um, you know, unexplained or unrecognized meteorological phenomena or misidentifications or unorthodox aircraft. I mean, it's it's probably a constellation of examples. And I think something like Morgellons might represent that as well, you know, especially if there is that 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 angle or that um, influence that mass hysteria seems to have exerted on the phenomena. We've got so much mass hysteria that we can't even figure it out anymore. <laughs> Let us continue with Gene, Tim, Joshua, you're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. 
and I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We are moving so fast into such interesting territory here that if you think you've been looking for spaceships for low these many years and UFOs, you're now going into another reality altogether because maybe we live in a simulated reality. That occurs to me, you know. You know, I'm thinking now about this new product from Apple, the Apple Vision Pro. And it's virtual reality glasses on steroids. Instead of steroids being on virtual reality glasses or you take steroids to use them. But you go into another reality with these ugly things. Have you ever seen the picture of the Apple Vision Pro, Joshua? I have, and I've seen some of the... uh the recreations of what it looks like. I have not seen one in the flesh or in the metal, I guess. <laughs> Is that something you want to do after seeing it? I mean, I'd like to try it. I'm not ready to uh, hand over that much cash, but I would, I would love to try it at some point. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think that there are still some insurmountable issues that virtual reality will have trouble getting over. Apparently motion sickness is still an issue. Um, and I don't know how we, we quite get over that to the next um, step of interfacing in a completely virtual environment short of, you know, wiring directly into the brain. I think that if you're going to have a true virtual reality experience that includes all of the senses, it's probably going to have to go in that direction. That's also something that I'm not going to volunteer for. So, Yeah, I'm thinking here of the TV show Farscape, where they had what is their version of a human an extraterrestrial that looks like a human, a sebation, I think they call them, where he plugs into this living spaceship with this probe that goes on the back of his head. So maybe that's what it's going to be, but 
I cannot see the, this is a pun, Apple Vision Pro today. I think the experience would be extraordinary, but I agree with the New York Times reviewer that you mentioned that he got kind of nauseous. Also, when you're out of it there, you can't walk in the street with those things, I hope. You certainly can't drive a car with those things, I sincerely hope. Although I think people are going to do it. The other thing, though, it has to be fitted to your particular shape and eyesight, which means basically if I buy one for myself at $3,500 U.S., my wife wants one, it's another $3,500. My son, who, you know, lives by himself, he's 38. Although some people may disagree with that, he would have to buy one too. So we're talking here about $10,500 for three people. If you're a family of six... It's $21,000. I mean, can you spell absurd? <laughs> well, absurd and convenient. That's the other word. Oh, isn't that convenient? It's non-transferable. I think it's interesting. You know, I, I was I was listening again as I was working on the coursework uh, for this near-death experience course. I was I had playing in the background another Terrence McKenna lecture, as it happens to be. And he made the statement, and I think part of this is holding true. And I can't quite see how the other part is, but he, you know, this is very early in, in the modern internet era. He was very quaintly de- describing the potential of websites, and it's kind of charming to listen back to that. But you know, the late '90s or something like that. And he uh, made a statement or a declaration that drugs would get more like computers and computers would get more like drugs. And I said, okay, well, half of that statement's certainly holding true. You know, you look at sort of the themes of addiction that run through social media use and the way that these um, means of interfacing online are really changing personal and collective psyches. He seems to be spot on about one half of that. I'm not entirely sure how drugs are getting more like computers, but you know, perhaps that's an allusion to some of these designer drugs that we've seen that are sort of pharmacological Frankenstein uh, concoctions. But the computers getting more like drugs seems to be a very prescient observation. Well, soon we'll take a computer for an aspirin instead of an aspirin. So I have a headache. Let me take a computer. In fact, I'll take three or four because I have a really bad headache. Well, if they get much smaller, you know, I mean, there has been there have been those allusions to, you know, nanotechnology. It's been promised and just over the horizon for decades now, the idea that you could swallow a capsule that has tiny technology in it that'll cure all your ailments. You know, we'll see if that ever manifests. It is interesting to sort of see how many of his predictions did and didn't, you know, come true. One of the things that he got a lot of grief for was placing a lot of emphasis on 2012 and, you know, his um, time wave zero theory. And, you know, looking back at the past 14 years, I'm not sure if that wasn't an inflection point of some sort um, in terms of the way that we interact as a society. I mean, one of the other things that he said was he just – he had this um, intuition that we would begin to suffer from more and more novelty and things will eventually get so novel they'll seem just absolutely insane and they'll make be completely nonsensical. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, we're kind of there, Terry, aren't we? We're kind of there. 24. I had somebody suggest to me one time talking about us living in a you know simulation, whether or not it is our reality is a natural simulation or somebody else is doing it, but that a lot of what we would call strange phenomena are actually just bugs in the system. 
I've probably said this on the Paracast before, but I'll I'll reiterate it. I tend to have little patience for the simulation hypothesis. As a metaphor, I think it's probably quite accurate. You know, you look to things like the um, veil of Maya and in, in Hindu belief, and you know, this is often alluded to in other you know cosmologies that this reality is not as it seems. This is the domain of lies and deception that we're all existing in, and not the actual truth. So as a metaphor, I'm quite sympathetic to it. My problem comes when people talk about the level of reality that is superimposed above this one. So like the sort of base reality that's not the simulation that we're in. Because inevitably, I find a lot of folks, not all of them, but a lot of folks tend to tend to couch that superimposed reality in terms that are just like our reality. <laughs> in other words, they're saying things like, oh, you'll wake up and you'll be sitting you know, in front of a computer that was plugged into your head, and there'll be other people there, and they'll say, wow, that was an amazing program that we ran on your brain. And it's like, well, if, if this reality is superpositioned above our reality, then why does it look anything like this reality at all? So if, if you take it non-literally, not as like, you know, just a a regurgitation of the matrix. Um, if you take it, if you take it non-literally and that, you know, maybe we'll all wake up from, you know, the world's longest DMT trip or something <laughs> or some sort of psychedelic altered state of consciousness, then yeah, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to it. And when it comes down to being like, Oh no, this is a video game, like a literal video game that we're all in, embedded within. I, I kind of think that has a, that carries with it a level of presumption about what that higher reality entails and, and the nature of it. If that makes any degree of sense at all. <laughs> that reminds me, and I just I just read this recently. Somebody's personal, you know, near death experience where they said that uh, after they left their body, uh, they had had a heart attack and had been in the hospital. They ended up in what seemed to be another hospital bed in a uh, a much brighter you know that that uh, ubiquitous glowing white type of of clinic but uh, surrounding his bed were the same little blue guys that Whitley Streamer described during his mm. initial encounters and he, he this guy asked asked him you know like you know who are you where am i and they were like laughing at him and saying oh he doesn't remember us <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because that's consistent with um you know one of the people that uh, Whitley corresponded with or spoke to rather um who talked you know at length about the uh, the blue kobolds was um Lori Barnes and and she made the illusion that they were soul techs in other words mm. they um they sort of were the uh hands-on mechanics of the human soul and that certainly seems sounds like they're fulfilling a role similar to that in that anecdote that's interesting mm-hmm. well then of course then there you know he was approached then by you know somebody uh, uh, like a a male who asked well how was it you know asking about how you know what <laughs> what happened to him on earth was you know like how was it you just left now you're back again <laughs> well, yeah i mean and you do yeah sorry go ahead no, no, I was just going to say, you are talking about, you know, the uh, 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 real-world uh, uh, simulations. It, it, that story just came to my mind when he asked, well, how was it? <laughs> well, there is this whole subset of stories that you read, especially in, you know, the, the psychedelic trip accounts of, of people who um, experience entire lives while they're under the influence, you know, where they uh, they have families and children and friends, and then they come back to 
to our reality. They come out of their trip and they're like, I, I miss those people. Like they're actually heartbroken after that experience. Um, some of the uh, stories that I find simultaneously hilarious and terrifying are um, some people who have um, smoked salvia divinorum have, have said that, uh, you know, they, they have these experiences where they spend 15 years underneath a staircase as a bit of unused luggage. More luggage to take with Joshua Jean and Tim Urin. The Pedicast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part, has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. 